0: such a privilege to be together as a church. I realize in the midst of a a very interesting time in our world, the ability to gather together, to worship together, to hear the Word of God, and just to hear testimonies and stories of God's faithfulness and God's goodness is such a privilege I'm just thinking of two weeks ago we baptized people right here in a pool and hearing those stories and testimonies God really is doing incredible things and so we really are very grateful to God for that very grateful for him moving people into different spaces different parts of the world Emmanuel and Jen are going two hours away my wife and I are by plane and my wife and I are going 12 hours away by plane and about 7,000 days if you wanted to drive um, but we are moving to the UK in a couple of weeks which is really exciting and exciting and a lot at the same time as we leave a family that we love so much um, it really is a big thing uh, I was just so overwhelmed this morning as Bunty started to sing that faithful you are it just was like wow God is so good. Have there been difficult times? Yes. Have there been phenomenal times? Yes. But just something that is just, it's when you look back, you just see the grace of God. And maybe you are in, a, in, in the midst of a very difficult time. Maybe you're on the top of a mountain, but I want to say, take moments to look back at the grace of Jesus. And the Bible says, no matter what your problem, bring it to Him with prayer and supplication. And then it says this amazing line. It says, and with thanksgiving. There's something in our hearts that shift when we are grateful to Jesus. When we look back and we go, thank you, God. Thank you, God. There's something that shifts in the heart of man when we take moments to be grateful. And so as we go into the strangest festive season I've ever experienced in my life, it's so surreal seeing baubles and all sorts of things all over um, the, the shops and tinsel. And it's quite a weird thing. It almost feels like it's still March. But actually, as we go into this season, take moments to be grateful. I think that practice of the Americans of the Thanksgiving dinner is just such an intriguing thing to me because we have Christmas and the turkey's great and the gammon's beautiful. But I just love that concept of taking a moment every year to be thankful. Um, and so take those moments. I think it's incredibly powerful. Like Mark mentioned, my name is Tyler. I'm part of the team here. But today we get to carry on a series called Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, and and where the series is seated is in the book of Lamentations. And if you missed last week, please go and watch Mark's sermon as he intros Lamentations and a little bit of an understanding around it. But very briefly, Lamentations is five poems of lament written by Jeremiah. It's this kind of like, and and so Israel, who are the people of God, have gone through a terrible time, they've gone into captivity in Babylon. It really hasn't gone well for them. They've been disobedient to God. Things have got, their homes have been destroyed. And, and so Jeremiah kind of, he, 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 he pens these five letters of lament, of hardship. of And actually, I, I just wanted to say this. I want to say that we serve a relational God. God is not scared of your emotions. God is not scared of what you are going through. God is not scared of where you are at. Actually, He so desires for you to be honest and open with Him in conversation and prayer. Why? So that He can pour His truth into your heart. You see, when we hide away from God and we try to deal with things ourselves, we miss the opportunities for Him to bring His grace and pour out His truth into our lives. And so this writer writes five long poems just crying out and going, This is hard. But then there's this amazing moment in Lamentations 3, and it's kind of the pinnacle of the book. It would be the Everest of the letters. In verse 19, it says this, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. He's in a dark place. He's in a hard place. But then he says this amazing line. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Father, as we gather this morning, I pray as we read your scriptures and as we learn the truths of who you are, Jesus. I pray that that would spark in our hearts. But because of this, I have hope. That today, as we learn of your faithfulness, as we are reminded of your faithfulness, I pray, King Jesus that you would pour hope into hearts, God, because when we see you, we get courage, Jesus. We find life, Jesus. So teach us this morning, King of Kings. This morning, I want to take a moment, and and I'm going to share three simple points, but three points to remind us why the faithfulness of God is so great. And the faithfulness of God is something that resonates so powerfully with me. Uh, it's, a, it's a word that I've, I've almost feel like God has, has, has shown me over years of serving Him, of 12 years of being a Christian. I know for some people in this room, you've been Christians far longer than that. And for some people, it's, it's a very new journey. But actually, there's something of the faithfulness of God that jumps out at me. And so this morning, I want to share three simple thoughts that I believe if we understand about the faithfulness of Jesus, it will transform not only your Christian walk, but every little bit of your life. Every little bit of your life, when we understand the faithfulness of Jesus, it brings about this radical, different way of living. And so my first point this morning is very simply this. God is faithful when we are faithless. God is faithful when we are faithless. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 12 to 13, it says this, If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. You see, the faithfulness of God is not seated in who I am, but in who He is. The faithfulness of God is not seated in what I do, but what He did. The faithfulness of God is not seated in my actions, but they are seated entirely in who God is. You see, we live this, it's an interesting way of processing much of our lives. A a couple of days, two weeks ago, my wife and I, we've kind of submitted our visas for the UK. We've done all of that. And so we needed to book flights because we didn't want to book too close to the time as they get quite expensive. And so we went online and we were looking at prices and you know, you cross-reference 75 different airlines and you kind of, I don't know if you've ever gone through that process where you're booking an international flight, but you kind of do it like seven times. You almost go one step further every time and then go all the way back to the back just to make sure you've got the dates right and the prices right. And at one point I reloaded the page and the flight doubled in price. You know when you just panic inside. You're like, Is Qatar Airways watching me do this? You know, you're like and so anyway we get through the process and just before we book I said, Okay, hey, I better just check that we've got travel insurance. And so I Google discovery credit card travel insurance, and a thing pops up on Google, says, if you book your flights with discovery credit card, you'll have travel insurance for your bags and all that stuff. So I'm like, great, because we're pretty much taking everything we own in four suitcases. So it's quite, I'm like, I just don't want to lose these four things. And so we, we book it on the discovery credit card. And then the next day, I'm a bit of a checker and my mind spins about this stuff. So I thought, hey, I better check. And so I download the PDF of their T's and C's. And I, I think sometimes they just repeat paragraphs to make it really long. And so I get the T's and C's and I'm reading through and I'm reading through and I'm committed. I'm like, I'm going to read these T's and C's from top to bottom. No, let's be honest, no one's ever done that. So I read them through and I see this line and it says this. And, I, and I'm counting on discovery. I'm counting on the faithfulness that this credit card will pay for my travel insurance. And I read a line that says, if you book a one-way flight, your travel insurance is null and void. And we had booked one-way flights. And all of a sudden, my heart sinks and I'm like, ah. Oh, and you know you just feel like they've let you down and you've worked so hard and you've checked the t's and c's and the challenge is so often we process God in the same light we we process God that if that we have to tick all the t's and c's before he will be faithful we we process him in the light that if I don't live this perfect life and I don't tick all of the moral boxes then God won't be faithful to my story But I want to tell you this morning that his faithfulness is not dependent on your T's and C's. His faithfulness is dependent on who he is. And we've got to get that mind shift. Otherwise, we constantly live with bended knee to T's and C's and not to a Savior in heaven who loves us. Who's passionate about us. Who's got a future for us. You see, the Bible describes God as the Alpha and the Omega. What does that mean? He was there in the beginning and he'll be there in the end. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means he never changes. The Bible says that actually he is the rock that cannot be moved. You see, his faithfulness is unquestionable. And so when we understand these things about God, we understand who he is and what he desires for us. You see, we need to become people who hold on to the promises of Jesus. You see, the scriptures are full of promises, full of promises over our lives as believers in Christ. Promises of His provision, promises of His goodness, promises of His kindness. And there's a little thing that happened to me the other day that just gave me such a realization about this thing. But I, I went for lunch as we kind of build up to leave. We're kind of seeing our family as often as we can. And so we went to lunch at Mozambique which is at Eden on the Bay, new restaurant. I've heard amazing things about it. They spelt it wrong, but that's a separate thing. Um, And so we go for lunch, and I'm really excited because I love to eat. And so we get there, and and so so it's myself, my wife, Kate, her dad, Arthur, and her her sister, Jess. So we're at the table, and I'm looking at the menu, and I've been there once before, so I know that their prawns are particularly good. And I'm looking at the prawns, but then, you know, you look you look at the description, and it sounds wonderful, but then you look at the price description. You're like, what, 210 Rand for six prawns? Is a bit rough? So I'm like, hey, I'm going to be clever about this. I'm going to leave this lunch having done financially well. So I say to the gentleman who's serving us, I say, sir, what um, specials do you have? No one else is asking about the specials, but I'm like, you're going to see when I get the bill. I'm going to have one. So I asked for the bill and and I asked for the specials. He says, well, actually, we've got hake, calamari and chips for 99 Rand. I'm like, yes, I have arrived. I didn't actually feel like hake, but I was like, it's a good price. So I'm in. So I ordered the hake and the calamari and, and the chips were wonderful. And so I eat it and I had one drink, so I knew I was in for 120 bucks. I was like, I have done so exceptionally well here. And so, but my 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 sister-in-law goes big. She orders the eight tiger prawns, like four thousand five hundred rand. It's just like ridiculous. There's just it's and it's beautiful on the plate. And they've like they do you know they do that thing with prawns where they cut it in half and then the lemon and it's wonderful. And my, my wife's going massive, she's doing the quarter chicken and then and chips and coconut rice, you know. Like, I don't know where you people are getting the money to pay for this. And Arthur's ordering the espetada, and it's all ridiculous, but I'm, in my head, I'm going, I've won this. And so right at the end of the lunch, we've enjoyed ourselves, we've laughed, we've had a great time. And as I'm about to get my card out to pay my 120 or 135 with tip bill, and I feel like I've won, Arthur pipes up and he says, oh, sorry guys, I forgot to mention, but this one's on me. And I'm like, why didn't I order the prawns? You know, you gutted. You're like, ah. But it just was a silly thing. It's a silly story. But it, it just gave me this realization that when we don't know who the Father is, we live our lives wrong. You see, when we don't know who God is in the beginning of the story, we live our lives very differently to what He desires for us. You see, when we don't know the promises of God, when we don't know who He is, when we don't know His goodness and His grace and His faithfulness, we make decisions that look very different to what He desires. We live that tease and seize life. We live a life that is small and bunkered down and fearful rather than knowing that at the end of the lunch it's being paid for not by you, but by your heavenly Father. You see, I live my life differently when I know who He is. Why do we as a church say all the time, give yourself to reading the scriptures. Give yourself to worship. Give yourself to knowing God. Why? Because when you know his faithfulness, you live differently. I promise you I would have done that lunch differently had I known at the end. It's a silly story, but it illustrates so often the default of our hearts. that we, Because we don't know who he is, we miss it. We miss that God desires for us to, to trust him live lives that are sometimes extravagant why the bible says if jesus looks after the birds of the air and the fish of the sea how much more will he look after his sons and daughters but because i know that promise i live differently secondly i want to share today that god is faithful when we are faith filled and this is the exciting one this is the one that i believe we need reminding of so often though in hebrews 11 verse 1 it says this now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance of do what we do not see you see we have to be reminded to put our faith and trust in the miraculous power of god even in the midst of a very difficult year i think sometimes we forget to trust god for big things we forget to trust god for the miraculous and the impossible why because after a year like 2020 we go into bunker mode But actually, God's trying to remind us that actually he has phenomenal purposes for our lives. You see, he is faithful to his purposes and he desires us to mix our faith with those purposes. I remember three years ago, almost my wife and I, um, or actually three years and eight months ago, we got engaged. And it was just such an amazing moment. I took her on a boat ride around um, around the Cape there by the waterfront. It was beautiful. Um, we were wearing about 75 jackets, which was great. And so we were there. And, I'm, it's a, and, you know, it's this beautiful, beautiful moment of a proposal. And she was at the end of the boat. And I said to her, to turn around. And she was facing out. She said, no. So I said, turn around. She said, no. And I'm holding a ring open over an open boat. You know, you're stressing. You're like, oh, this has cost me a lot of money. And so eventually she turns around and she also fell on one knee as she turned around. So we're not actually sure who proposed to who. But it was this, this amazing moment and we got engaged and we had these dreams of a wedding. And we believe God had something special for us. And, and so what we did was we said, hey, Lord, we can have faith in this journey. And so we put down our budget of what we could save, and it wasn't even half of what we desired for our wedding. And we weren't being ridiculous. We were like, hey, we're gonna, we are gonna we desire this. And, and so we started to, to kind of trust God, and we, we put down those things. And, and so we said, we're going to believe Jesus, that He would provide for this moment. And whatever He gives us, we'll be grateful for, and we'll go for it. But I was appalled that the money was not in my bank account the next day. I was. I was like, why? I, was, I had faith yesterday. Why hasn't it happened today? And so many of us journey like that. We go, hey, Lord, I declared yesterday that you would give me provision or you'd give me this or you'd, you'd provide for this, and it hasn't happened today, so I give up. And I remember even two, three months into our engagement, we we hadn't received any finances or anything. And I I remember the temptations that, hey, let's take a loan and we can have the wedding of our dreams. But we had said in the beginning, we weren't going to do that. We were going to trust God. And, And so we held fast. And all of a sudden over our lives, it just felt like the floodgates of heaven opened because we had mixed our faith with his promises. I remember some people in our church who I didn't have a massive relationship with at the time actually came to me at church and said, hey, we want to give you 5,000 Rand towards your wedding. They gave it to me in a cash envelope. <laughs> it's quite an experience. But I just, in that moment, I realized, hey, wow, God, you will use anyone and everyone to fulfill your promises and your purposes. And I want to tell you this morning that God has got purposes over your life it with your faith and you'll see God do phenomenal things. See in the season of COVID I believe we need to be reminded that God wants to do phenomenal things in our story. When last did you go hey Lord I'm going to trust you for something unbelievable. I'm going to trust you for something miraculous. Why? Because he is faithful. He's faithful to do what he promises but because of his relational desire for relationship with us he wants to do it with our faith mixed in the story. Let's continue to trust God, to believe in phenomenal things. Number one, God is faithful when we are faithless. Number two, God is faithful when we are faith-filled. And lastly, God is faithful when we fail. And for me, this is a massive thing that we have to grasp. You see, the whole narrative of humanity has been a great God and failing man. You see, God created humanity and he put Adam and Eve in the garden and he said to them, here, you can have all of this. And some people read that story as a narrative or an, or an example of what it was like. No, the story truly is that God gave Adam and Eve this beautiful garden and said, have dominion and rule over it. And, and, and Adam and Eve sinned and failure entered the world and separation from God into the world. And I love Romans three twenty-two to 24 says this, this righteousness is given through faith in Christ to all who believe. See, it's not isolated to a certain group or a certain person or those who tick all the T's and C's. No, to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned, all have failed and fallen short of the glory of God. I can insert into that line, and Tyler has failed and fallen short of the glory of God. All of our names could be put into that sentence. And all are justified Freely by His grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. And all are justified. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is faithful even when we fail. You see, when Jesus was put on the cross that day, 2,020 years ago, my failure was nailed to that cross. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you have felt like you failed. You felt like you've missed it. You felt like you don't deserve the grace and goodness of God. You felt like you don't deserve the grace and goodness of salvation. I want to tell you this morning, you don't deserve it, but you still get it. Why? Because it is dependent on who He is, not who you are. The power and the blood of Jesus was dependent on Him being on the cross, not me being on the cross. And so when every moment when we go, Jesus, I have failed, but you are faithless. And we return to his feet and we say, we need your power. We need your grace. His faithfulness shines through. Maybe you failed in 2020. Maybe you've missed the mark. Maybe you've made some decisions you shouldn't have made. I want to tell you that his grace and his faithfulness is bigger than your failure. And all we have to do is come to him and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need your power. Jesus, I need your faithfulness. Dependence on who he is. I love that moment on the cross. You can read it in the in the gospels. But as Jesus dies, he cries out and he says these words, it is finished. It is finished. And as I read that, I, I almost hear these words: your striving is finished. Your achieving the T's and C's is finished. Your failure is finished. Your brokenness is finished. Your loss is finished your faithlessness is finished, and I have won the day for you. So today I want to remind you that his faithfulness is bigger than you could ever imagine. As my wife and I was having, and I'm going to finish with this final thought, I was having lunch with someone in um, a a pastor in the area, and we were just chatting about me moving, and and I'll be vulnerable as we kind of built up toward this. I'm the guy who does the budget in our household, and kind of I've got a little app that helps me do all of that, and And I got into this habit as we were building up to now leaving, I got into this weird habit of checking my bank balance every day and checking the budget app every day. Why? Because I started to default to me, to ticking the T's and C's, to achieving, to making sure that I had covered the bases. I was having lunch with this guy a couple of days ago, and I I found myself saying this. I said, God has been so kind to me for the last 12 years. Why would he stop now? I was like, you know, when you say it and you're like, that was very good. I was like, and it just hit me for a moment. I was, and I it's just been thinking about that line. God has been so kind to me since I met him. Why would he stop now? And you know, when we face challenge, we start to go, oh, I, I, I'm not good enough. I, I I probably not. I want to tell you, if he's been good up until this point, he will continue to be good. So let's stand together. I want to pray for us. Jesus, we are so aware of your presence in this moment. I pray, God, that not my preaching would be the the highlight of this moment, but it would be your presence, Jesus. Thank you, Father, just as you spoke to me in that moment. If you've been kind to me from the beginning, why would you stop now? I declare that over every heart and every person in this room. Thank you as we default to trying to tick the T's and C's, to trying to achieve, to trying to make sure that we've covered the bases, that we are faithful, that we have made the way. I pray right now, Father God, that you would remind us that it is your faithfulness, not ours. That it is your goodness, not ours. That it is your power, not ours. That it is your promises, not ours. That it is your purposes, not ours, Jesus. We declare in this moment the faithfulness of God. We declare the goodness of God. We declare the grace of God over every heart and every life here, Father. Jesus, I pray in this moment that your people would put their faith in your faithfulness, trust your promises, and walk into the purposes that you have, God. That we would put our faith in your faithfulness, that we would trust your promises, and that we would walk into your purposes, God. Right now, over every heart, over every life, I declare the faithfulness of God. I declare the faithfulness of you, Jesus. I declare the faithfulness over every single heart and life right now. It's not us, Jesus. Your will be done, Jesus. We love you, Jesus.